Travellers and welcome to You Should Have Been There, our podcast about travellers and travel tales. This is producer, writer and multilinguist, polyglot indeed, Mick Webb. And I'm delighted to be talking to you with the man who pays his way, Simon Calder, and when I can get him to, mine as well. Uh, we've travelled quite a lot together for work and, to use the term loosely, pleasure. We can still just about bear to talk to one another or at least have an argument. And today we are going to be discussing getting lost. The curse of every traveller. Or is it, Mick? Well, it's a very interesting point. Um, I suspect that at the actual time of getting lost, it does appear to be a terrible curse. But... Assuming that you can find your way out of the predicament, um, then it does tend to add quite a lot of interest to the traveller's tale, uh, the story that you tell when you get back. And my theory about travel is uh, it's a very good thing, usually. It gets you from A to B. It's a good way of discovering things, uh, of learning lots of new things, of meeting people and cultures you would uh, never meet uh, in other circumstances. Um, But even better is uh, actually being able to talk about it or write about it or make programmes about it when you get home. And uh, for me, it sort of doubles the the pleasure. So therefore, I would say getting lost A good ingredient. Right, well, I have to disagree with you, and I'm going to cite um, one trip that we made together now over 20 years ago. We were looking for Vilcabamba, the last refuge of the Inca Empire after the Spanish conquistadors swept into Peru and basically just uh, killed, plundered, uh, displaced this one of the greatest empires that uh, Latin America has ever known, and um, we'd actually found Vilcabamba, which was um, uh, something, and we were trying to then find our way out. And I remember very, very clearly this was self-inflicted being lost because I remember I think it was me asking in bad Spanish to somebody who uh, was. A, Quechua speaker and uh, therefore possibly spoke worse Spanish than me, which is saying something. Um, I remember saying something like, is this the road to, and I can't remember the village that we were aiming for, um, and he nodded uh, instead of saying, please tell me how I would find my way to this village. And of course, um, it is true that in some uh, cultures, agreeing with somebody is the most important thing you can do even if it means that as we discovered they will spend six hours walking in the wrong direction before it finally dawns that actually they have been uh misled yes well that that that's an interesting case i mean i do remember uh that very clearly now um and what i remember most vividly was the very first um, part of the the wrong route uh, involved um, crossing a very fast-flowing mountain stream on, I really wouldn't call it a bridge exactly. The the Incas would certainly have made a much better job of it. It was, as I remember rightly, three silver birch saplings which had been slung across this gorge and we had to uh, make our way across this, probably in the most embarrassing and humiliating way, because you certainly couldn't walk on these things. So we were sort of Ooh, hanging yes. like a kind of sloth of some kind with this, with these 
rather massive packs on. Um, then we got to the other side and then we walked up through what was really rather pretty citrus forest with large grapefruit-like things on the ground, which was rather wonderful and smelled great. Um, and then after a couple of hours, we came to the end of this track and all there was was a, a strange kind of hacienda with barbed wire all round it and the most ferocious mastiffs waiting to get us and was presumably some drug kind of farm of some variety. So we um, turned round and had to make our way back again and then to go back over this wretched bridge. And I remember thinking on the way up, that was possibly the most scary bridge I've ever been over, but at least I won't have to do it again. But my goodness me, I did. And we did. And it's always easier the second time, is it not? You think that was, I'm so glad I don't have to do that again. When you do do it again, um, actually you manage uh, not too badly. And uh, we are still here to tell this and indeed many other tales. But that was in the mountains. Well, actually that was in the, more in the rainforest and more in the foothills of of the Andes. Um, It is quite serious getting lost in mountains uh, because you can technically die, which would be annoying. And I'm afraid in our meanderings, particularly in the uh, Pyrenees, um, the range between France and Spain, we've done quite a lot of getting lost. And if you get lost in uh, the middle of a, a sunny day, that's one thing. If you get lost at the end of an exhausting day where the rain is now tipping down, where it's getting dark by the second, um, that's, that's, that's more serious. And we've done a bit of that, including one extraordinary night when... Actually, we stumbled exhausted and furious with each other um, into what was a hut. And uh, the, the GR10 long distance footpath along the uh, line of the uh, Pyrenees has a symbol, which is a uh, rectangle, half white, half red. Unbelievably, not only have we found the uh, ha- having been lost quite comprehensively for quite a long time, um, several hours, uh, not only did we find a hut where we could shelter, um, it was also uh, marked with the official GR10 sign, which meant that we were now back on the road, or at least the path, where we needed to be. Quite, quite miraculous, but um, it could have ended very differently. I mean, that was an interesting example of when you think getting back onto the straight and narrow uh, will bring with it relief and comfort. But as a matter of fact, if I remember rightly, the night spent in that wretched hut was even worse than um, staggering through the rain <laughs> lost at uh, 11 o'clock at night because uh, there was no roof. There was a doorway still and uh, we must have spread our sleeping bags out. There was a slight problem with the food, which was... Um, well, I will actually let yes, me please. let me tell everybody about uh, yeah, this. Uh, yeah, okay. uh, uh, we, ta- we take when we go travelling, we tend to take it in turns to um, be responsible for different um, elements of the trip. So one of us will be head of something, you know, jocular kind of things, head of drink, head of maps. Uh, Simon on this occasion was head of food, <laughs> and uh, so when we when we eventually sort of settled down in our um, the uh, wreckage of this hut, and I said, "What's for dinner then, Simon?" He said, oh, Ah, well, I went to the Mountaineers uh, shop in Covent Garden in London before we came at it. And I I bought um, this top of the range Italian sausage recommended for walkers and mountaineers. And uh, he produced this thing. And um, in the flickering light of a torch, um, 
I managed to work out, because it was in Italian, that, in fact, this had to be cooked for 20 minutes before you could eat it. And, of course, we didn't have a stove with us. So that was very good. And uh, and then to make it even worse, I thought that drifted off to sleep, helped by the... Uh, I was head of drink, and I actually had a hip flask with some brandy or something in it, um, which was good. Um, and then about three o'clock in the morning, kind of woken up by this terrible bellowing sound. And there, standing in the, what had been the doorway of, of our hut, there was a, there was a massive... Um, it, uh, well, it was a mountain um, uh, cow, uh, which, which grazed at extraordinary um, altitudes. This was 2,000 metres up. And I don't know whether it was welcoming us to the place or saying, what are you doing in my hut? I wanted to sleep here or what? But it, I, it, it was probably just lost. It was probably just lost. <laughs> yes. And, um, and, uh, and talk, talking of getting lost in the Pyrenees, um, uh, a writer who better known for, for things other than travel writing, but um, who spent quite a lot of time in the Pyrenees, Hilaire Belloc. Yeah. Um, and he has a... a, a, a uh, line about getting lost and how you solve it. Yes, that's true. Hilaire Belloc, yes, indeed. He probably um, deserves the epithet great man. I mean, he was a, a writer of children's verse, um, religious tracts, political um, uh, diatribes. He was an MP, I think, actually, and he was half French. Um, and he loved the Pyrenees. And in his book, which I think is called Les Pyrenees, or The Pyrenees, um, he talks about the difficulties of finding your way in particular kinds of mountain terrain. Uh, now, one of these is very grassy stuff, because if you're following a path, it tends to disappear when it gets to the grassy area. And a similar thing happens if you get to um, an area of loose scree, um, you know, pebbly sort of stuff. Um, and... What you have to do as the traveller is to try and find where your path picks up from the other side. And uh, he expressed this very neatly in the phrase casting around. He said, if in doubt, he said, in the Pyrenees, cast around, which was to um, start from a particular point And one of you walk in a semicircular direction one way and the other one walk the other way until you found the red and white mark or the path that uh, you, you wanted to uh, pick up. Except uh, we, we, we have to bring in the notion of delusion. I think we probably both have quite a, uh, maybe an inflated sense of direction and more than once we have agreed that uh, we are in a particular place, heading in a particular direction, when in fact um, nothing could be farther from the truth. <laughs> and uh, there's a good old Chinese saying, I do believe, um, which goes, I was so happy I didn't know which way was north. Um, I'm not sure that every occasion we've been in the Pyrenees, uh, excess happiness has been uh, on the menu, but um, not knowing which way is north it certainly has. Which well, in an age of not just compasses, but also electronic uh, devices is um, it's quite remarkable. I think if you are very tired, which you sort of are mentally quite often, having for various reasons um, had to stay somewhere where either you were in a refuge with 50 other people, all of whom are snoring very loudly and so you don't get any sleep that way, or somewhere which is so uncomfortable that um, you don't get any sleep. And although you kind of feel 
physically okay when you start the next morning because it's such a relief to get going again after the horrible night. Quite clearly, your mental faculties are somewhat um, disturbed by all of this and impaired. And I I do remember someone who I was travelling with and who really did take us off down a what you would call a blind valley he at the time was in charge of the compass and I said uh, are you sure this is going south it doesn't seem to look right um, the sun is sort of over there yes it certainly is right um, after half an hour look can I have a look at that compass it's not going so we're going north and uh, actually I think it was you oh, well, <laughs> yes. there's a thing um, but, well, but yes it can happen it can happen and, and um, is technology to the rescue of everybody does being able in vast parts of the world and particularly in cities actually does the fact that you know uh, easily where you are and where your location where, where your destination is does that help or does it actually increase the chances that one day you will get very seriously lost because you're not really taking responsibility for where you are going you're being led by google maps or uh, whatever sat nav um, that you, you you choose to use mm, well I, I, that's a that's a, a reasonable observation but i would say that even with a one to twenty five thousand splendid french walking map and a compass and a reasonable grasp of where one is supposed to be going we have still managed to get quite lost and uh, and Hilaire Belloc actually addressed this as well. I think he, he said that if you are at a path that branches and it's not quite clear from the map which way you should be going, it is, particularly as the day has wears on and you get rather tired, the um, requirement to go the easier path is incredibly strong and you convince yourself that downhill is clearly the way you want to be going because that's where you want to end up down in the valley and but actually um, you might well be going down the wrong valley and equally well he talks about the false the false col uh, just explain I know what you mean but uh, not yeah no no I think for, well correct me if I'm wrong but there are three basic mountain modes you're either going down to a valley or along a ridge or up to a col and it's a kind of pass really which is usually it's supposed to be anyway the easiest way across uh, a a high ridge a saddle shaped thing yeah yeah. and uh, and it is easy to quickly look at your map and you see the path going towards something that does have that saddle shape and you think ah that's my col and it's not that far away let's go for it and actually you are wrong because in fact if you looked more carefully at the map this was a col but it was hiding the one that you really wanted to go to, but you can't get to from the path you've gone on, if you see what I mean. It is a, it's a sort of challenging. and uh... Uh, Yes, and wishful thinking, and, and very sadly, um, navigation, uh, particularly in, in, in maybe the 20th century, among aviators, has been very much a, a kind of... Uh, well, all too often, particularly when people want to get home, uh, you may well get the captain, the first officer, agreeing about where they are and where they are going and um, uh, sadly we, there are too many tragedies in which they they are simply disorientated and that, that has ended very, very tragically. Um, you did, sorry to interrupt there, I mean we once got terribly lost in a rather beautiful 
Beechwood, if I remember rightly, mm. but it was on a very, very severe mm. slope, which meant that the well, you, if you walked on the leaves, they sort of acted like a kind of helter-skelter and sent you flying down the slope. So it was quite difficult. We were obviously lost, and we didn't know exactly where we were on our map, which at the time, I think we didn't have the 1 to 25,000. It might have only been a 1 to 50,000, which is not good enough. And you um, suggested a way of uh, proceeding, which you had taken from pilots and uh, co-pilots, well, for, for that, the, which was very good. Well, all, all I suggested was that, um, OK, let us both independently assess from everything we can see and from the map and the, the, the whole topography, uh, let us individually work out where we are. Um, and so you spent five minutes doing that. I spent five minutes doing that. And unbelievably, we both agreed where we were, um, which meant that um, we, we could extricate ourselves from it. It still took rather too long and it was um, very uncomfortable, but at least we um, we made it out of something which actually when we begun the day hadn't looked too challenging at all and no. it looked like a very straightforward, not quite a walk in the park, but uh, not the <laughs> toughest thing we've ever done. Um, so that, that did work and we never actually confronted the problem of, well, what happens if there is a serious discrepancy? But I imagine it simply goes like this. Um, right, let's uh, work out, um, uh, yeah, what, why do you think we're here, Mick? And why do I think I'm Yes, uh, I, yeah. well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a, walking, um, particularly in mountains and probably anywhere else as well, if you're doing it for any length of time, is as um, it's like one of those um, games or sports like tennis where people say it's uh, 70 percent in the mind, you know, and that uh, mental toughness uh, is an, a rather important ingredient. I mean, obviously, to have some decent boots and good calf muscles helps but um yeah but but, but the the psychology of it is 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 quite fascinating i mean i could just mention um another um another surefire way to get lost which um our friend hilaire who uh, often i think mainly actually walked on his own so he wouldn't have had this particular problem but um you and i um over the years have got terribly lost in completely um benign circumstances um by missing a, a turning a sign or something, mm. you know, or not looked at the map for 20 well, I, minutes. I remember very well indeed. Um, we, we successfully, goodness knows how, against all the odds, climbed Le Chemonet, the uh, face of rock that uh, stands between you and the summit of Canigou in southwest France. And having done that, um, we were very, very... Um, full of ourselves we then set off to walk down the valley an easy journey of perhaps an hour and a half and I think um, we finally uh, sat down to our stake three and a half four hours later having walked an incredible number of miles in the wrong direction and then equally incredible number back to get where we needed to be yes that's uh, yeah no no you're you're quite right and um and on that occasion actually I mean that was uh incompetence uh, but well no it was it was that yes brought about by euphoria at having exactly, survived yes. such a difficult climb for us anyway yeah. but uh, the other circumstances in which we've got terribly lost um are when um, we've been immersed in a conversation ah, so yes. interesting that uh, we've completely forgotten to look where we're going and i'm very sorry to say that this um uh, although we talk about 
politics and sport and all kinds of things. Um, the thing that seems to get us most lost is uh, when we're gossiping about friends. Um, yes. And uh, I won't actually um, uh, name any names, but I do remember being fascinated by your tale about a friend of yours um, and obviously their um, personal relationships with somebody <laughs> and then somebody else and uh, how it all went terribly wrong. And, uh, and that actually led to us um, you know, another sort of three-hour mistake. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I, and uh, even even in city circumstances, where you would think it would be relatively easy to to know where you are, I still get quite badly lost, particularly if the normal standards of human geography do not apply. So, generally, if you've got a, a large city or even a medium-sized one, it's very easy because they all follow roughly the same pattern. You've got the, the hub of the city, which which is always higher because land land uh, values are much higher there, so therefore you have to build the buildings higher. Um, you've then generally got a kind of ring of, of, of um, slightly uh, down-at-heel homes and and um and shops and and all these other little side industries and then it gets into the suburbs and um uh, it picks up again economically speaking but if you consider somewhere like managua in uh, <laughs> nicaragua it's incredibly easy to get lost there because having been devastated by earthquakes there is absolutely no sense to it. It's as though all the rules of human geography have gone completely out of the window. So you can't think, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to aim for the, uh, uh, the, the the cathedral tower. Because although there is a cathedral, last time I looked, it was in some disarray and um, and, and quite low, low rise. Um, and very easy to get uh, get lost in what I think is the saddest, um, the most miserable uh, uh, capital city I've been to. Yes, I, I, I went there just after um, the, uh, well, they seemed glorious days at the time when Daniel Ortega was inaugurated as the president. And, oh, dear, how sadly things have gone wrong since then. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I remember trying to find the place where the inauguration was taking part place. And, and it was it was so difficult. And even taxi drivers that didn't know where anything was and they but they did have a navigation system i mean I, not not a uh, an electronic one at the time because this was 1985 but they <laughs> did they navigated by the names of shopping mall, malls so you it it would be a bit like well it would be a bit like Going back to Milton Keynes um, as, a, as a model, if there was no centre to Milton Keynes and the only way of getting around was mentioning the roundabouts, and if you don't know the names of them, then you're stuffed. And, of course, we didn't have a map or anything, and you couldn't... There was the, the, it, So it was sort of like having a map which you didn't have the key to. Sort of uh, yes, and, and this, this is, um, I think, nowhere better exemplified than in uh, San Jose, capital of Costa Rica, a uh, neighbouring country, of course, uh, um, where they have, for example, a, a landmark which no longer exists, the Coca-Cola bus station, because it's next to a big sign saying Coca-Cola, which is, has not been there since some, uh, <laughs> since some terrible disaster, I think, in the 1980s. Um, and yet everybody still knows of it as, as Coca-Cola. And I, San Jose actually is one place where I... And this this is the borderline, I guess, between getting lost and actually know, knowing that you're uh, not in a good place. Um, part of, of 
of course, the art of navigating any city is to avoid risk. Um, and I, this is Christmas Day, nineteen ninety-nine. My birthday, as it turns out. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I, the I, cards I, in the post. I, I was um, off trying to get a, um, uh, a a bus ticket. I followed in my guidebook directions to the bus station and I got there and um, security man said oh, sorry Sen, you're the you're the tenth person this week the bus station moved three years ago <laughs> and it's now over there pointing on my map and I therefore cut across the very much bad lands and got um, got mugged but so badly mugged that I realised that I wasn't being gripped very strongly from behind around my throat so I managed to get rid of the um, assailant and, and run away uh, but um, not not a great start to my my birthday um, cities where you got lost or got scared well I, I um, well I do remember that uh, when we actually I've went to Colombia which I, I have been to um, uh, on other occasions as well but um, at the time uh, of the real I mean when Carl uh, Escobar was sort of uh, at his um, at his at the peak of his uh, power um, it, it, um, Medellin was um, a particularly dangerous city but uh, actually the capital Bogota was very dangerous as well if um, according to the guidebook, um, you went north of the cathedral. Um, and then in Medellin, the advice was on no account go south of the cathedral. Or was it the other way around? I well, just couldn't quite. remember. When we got to Medellin, I do remember thinking, well, I mean, it, it is probably self-evident that you don't go up into the into the sort of shanty towns where, um, as we know from watching Netflix, um, Mr Escobar had uh, a kind of a whole um, a sort of army of, of young people prepared to do just about anything <laughs> to... Uh, um, uh, keep him, uh, keep him in power, um, and where indeed there was um, a, a rather unpleasant um, uh, rite of passage. Um, the way to become a sicario, uh, a killer, a hitman, I suppose, although these were actually children, quite a lot of them, was indeed to carry out um, a random assassination um, on any old bystander um, by. Um, getting on the back of a scooter driven by um, an older member of the gang uh, you had a an automatic pistol um, and at a certain point you spotted um, a lost um, gringo um, or um, a mother taking her child I, it really didn't seem to matter who it was and uh, you then had to try and um, stitch a kind of crucifix shape in the in their back or front with your automatic weapon I read it in a book called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, I think, which was um, sold on the streets without a cover um, and which I bought in Bogota, so it must be true. Oh, and of course, um, I think it was the great Charles Nickel who wrote that in Bogota, um, you uh, danger is computed mathematically, so I can't remember what the street number goes up to, but beyond that, yeah. as I guess with uh, Manhattan in the bad old days, um, you simply did not stray. Um, a quick uh, uh, 
pointing out that, that it's quite possible for, for you to be lost by somebody else. And I, of course, refer only to um, Ryanair here. Um, twice I've tried to fly to Baden-Baden in, um, in Germany. Once I arrived, uh, I've never made it to the right country. Um, once I touched down in, uh, in uh, Basel in Switzerland and the next time in Strasbourg in France. Um, but yeah, a delight to, to end up somewhere somewhere exciting, somewhere different. And on an old hitchhiking trip, I remember the first time I hitchhiked into uh, Switzerland, um, it was simply uh, uh, an error of language of which I've made many. Um, I thought the driver who had given me a lift down from the Alps was going to Locarno. In fact, he was going to Lugano. And they are uh, many miles apart and very, very different. Lugano has... Uh, as far as I recall, no uh, lovely um, uh, lakeside setting. Um, but, of course, we all survived. Well, I think that's a very good place to end things. And, indeed, it's a possible topic for another podcast. Having wonderful or terrible experiences because you've failed to pronounce the, oh, <laughs> yes. the, the word properly um, yes. um, while, while travelling. Um, uh, can, can I close with a, another line from um, Hilaire Belloc? Here we are. This is my favourite quote from him. Uh, In soft, deluding lies, let fools delight. A shadow marks our days, which end in night. There we are. Well, that's applicable to many circumstances, not just travel. Thank you, Simon, as well as Hilaire. And in our next podcast, number three, we'll be discussing that well-known phrase, when in Rome. Should you always do as the Romans do? Goodbye.